to Hash It Out. I'm Judith. And I'm Elizabeth. We're your co-hosts of the Social Justice Scholars Podcast, Hash It Out. Today we're bringing a topic that I don't think we've ever brought up in this recording booth so far. Sex work. You know, you're right. We really (laughs) haven't come across this one. So, uh, when we were planning our episodes for this semester... So when we were planning our episodes for this semester, why did you think sex work was where our focus should go? Okay, we're definitely going to get into a lot of the reasons that I wanted to bring this topic up, but one of the main reasons I chose it is specifically because we, I don't think we've addressed it in any of our episodes yet. No, probably hinted at at it, but I haven't actually really talked about it. Like the discrimination in the doctor's office, something, it would have come up, but I don't think... Or abortion? Yeah, and Mm. it's never really come up. It's, It's ironic. Isn't it ironic? Oh my god. Don't. <laughs> okay, you're right. Let's start with defining some of the terms we'll be using today. All right. Okay, cool. Sounds good. So, what do you define as sex work? Okay, so I struggled to find a really coherent definition. So okay. this is kind of a mashup of a bunch of ones that I've looked at and heard. It's a sex, sex work is a job that involves sex, but that can be anything from erotic dancing, like stripping to prostitution or escorting. Mm-hmm. It's basically just the exchange of money for sexual services. Okay. Now, you said sexual services. Yeah, so I did do that intentionally. Let's get it out of the way now. Okay. Sex work isn't selling your body. Okay. Sex work is... Sex work is selling a service. Okay. Sex, worker, sex workers retain control of their bodies, and they can decline to provide whatever services they choose. Okay. Okay, in a perfect world, we understand that. Yeah, absolutely. It's not that all sex work is safe. But that's what sex workers are striving towards. So what are the sex trades? The sex trades is a term which refers to all those various services offered by sex workers. Pornographers, actors in pornography, prostitutes, escorts, strippers, and erotic models, they all fall under the industry of sex trades. The language is particularly difficult in this area. Would you agree? I do agree. I think that it's one of those that can be really tricky and hard to come up with. As a note, we will be using some language which may make some uncomfortable, so that's just a warning. Yeah, particularly we will be using the word whore. Okay. Um, We didn't come up with that one, obviously. Obviously. (laughs) That is not something that we just randomly decided to use. It's a word used by sex workers, and especially in the context of what they call whorephobia, which is a type of oppression faced by those in the sex trades. And, of course, we'd be, you know, remiss to not mention how sex work is misinterpreted in the stats of it all. Yeah, absolutely. There is a ton of research on this topic. And, you know, I was walking past Democracy Plaza today, Mm -hmm. which is another social justice scholars program, as we've mentioned. Sometimes we submit questions to them, and this week that we're recording... We had questions about sex work on the boards. Yeah. I'm sure you saw there was a lot of people answering. Not this week, because I was here last week and oh, it was true. pretty empty. Yeah, no this spring week, break. Over spring break, probably way emptier, but this week it it's really taking off. It's only Monday. I know. <laughs> it's a really controversial topic, and one of the things that I continuously noticed is that I believe it was one person, may have been more, mm-hmm. kept saying, I worked with sex workers, none of them do it willingly, look into human trafficking. That's kind of what the Washington Post article addresses. Mm -hmm. Human trafficking is a serious problem, don't get me wrong. But the statistics that show that most sex workers are human trafficking victims is misrepresented. Okay. In reality, most sex workers who are above the age of 18, because no one under the age of 18 can willingly consent to sex work. Yeah. Anybody 18 and over, the majority of them willingly engage in this type of work. There are unions, there are organizations, all for sex workers. The, there's this other study that's like, 
most prostitutes get into the job at the age of 14. That's not true either. That's okay. based on a sample of human trafficking victims. Okay. So all of that said, a lot of the statistics are misrepresented, but we're not talking about human trafficking victims. We're talking about people who willingly engage in sex work. Yes. So this is turned into my catchphrase. Let's get down <laughs> into the business of it all, the real meat of the topic. How exactly does social justice interact with sex work? There are the obvious problems. Okay. What are the obvious problems? Uh, Sex-negative feminists, problems with the industry itself, even, like, human trafficking and sexual assault. Okay. Um, so where does social justice come into play? So I think social justice has to stop and acknowledge that there's a problem with the exclusion of sex workers, like in what's called SWERF. Okay. Similar to TERF, it's sex worker exclusive radical feminism. All right. So, I'm sure you've heard of them, but the big names in second wave feminism, like Andrea Dworkin. Okay. She's constantly remembered as the woman who said all heterosexual sex was rape, which is not what she said, but she wrote intercourse, she wrote woman-hating. Okay. Or even Catherine McKinnon, who wrote legislation with Dworkin okay. to outlaw and criminalize various forms of sex work, including pornography. All right. Yeah, so... Let's make that legal. Let's let's put that cat back in the bag. Right? <laughs> now that all of our technological progress has happened because of pornography, let's try and criminalize it next. Yeah. And I think it can go unsaid, but to bring the issue to the forefront, let's not forget that many of these attitudes contributed to the whole idea of horophobia that's powerful and present today. I agree. And to me, it kind of seems that we owe it to sex workers to go back and revert what our feminist culture created. Okay, so I'm going to need an explanation on that. What do you mean by that? <laughs> of course, I'm not saying we should have feminist guilt or whatever you want to okay. call it. But all social justice advocates today come from the shadow of feminism. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have our theories, we wouldn't have our frameworks, we wouldn't have our praxis if it weren't for the feminists who came before us. Okay. Um, yeah, and we have to acknowledge where the feminists of the past have failed and work to correct those issues. Absolutely. That's really what I'm getting at. Like, much of McKinnon and Dworkin's work has been used to justify whorephobia, which leads to the rape culture in the sex trades that causes people to consider sex work the selling of a body and not a service, and it allows misogyny and abuse to thrive in the industry. Okay. There's so little oversight on the practice of sex work. Yeah. Prostitutes are... At least in are, America. Exactly. Yeah. And we are being specific to America in this yes. episode because every country, every culture has their own form of sex work in very different contexts. Amsterdam is doing it well. Amsterdam, Switzerland, Sweden, there are all of these examples. Let's, let's just say the Nordic countries, they're doing right? it well. Right, <laughs> they are. The Nordic countries, places you want to live because they have good health care. And in America, health care is such a problem for sex workers. It's, yeah. Because, I mean, think about it. They can't go to the police when they've been raped because they won't be believed, let alone or go to a hospital believed, for treatment. Or they're believed they'll be arrested. Yeah, if they go to the police and say, I'm a prostitute and my John just raped me, they'll say, oh, okay, you're a rape victim and a criminal. Right. So, all of that said, our feminist past led to a thriving underground cruelty towards sex workers that we're responsible for changing. Yeah. So... How can social justice improve the lives of sex workers? I think social justice as a whole will do wonders for mm -hmm. the people that need the help of social justice and for the sex workers who are working in social justice as well. But let's dial back for just a second and okay. look at how sex workers are oppressed. Okay. Like, couldn't a problem be, like, when it comes to feminism and, like, you know, like, social movements, like, sex workers might be being put on the back burner? Yeah. Because you think about, like... 
it has to do with intersectionality, you know? Mm-hmm. Everyone is always, like, a black person or a woman first, and yeah. then, then their mother or their husband yeah. or something like that, and then they're their profession, you know? There's yeah. these lists that you go through. So, like, even if I'm a black woman who is um, a mother and a wife who just happens to also be um, a porn star or anything exactly. that has to do with sex work, like, I'm going to fight for the right to be a woman, the right to be a mom, the right to be a wife, a right to be um, a black individual before yes, I ever think completely. about when we, like, fight for that, like, bottom tier right. Like, it's important, but maybe that's why it's, like, something that's been kind of, like, pushed to the background. Or maybe not all feminists were, like, fighting. Like, their fight wasn't to, like, you know... Criminalize pornography. Yeah, but yeah. it just came as, like, a turning point. Like, what do I care for more? Do I care about the protection of what my children may see? Versus exactly. the right for this person to do this. Yeah. You know? Or, like, do I care more about, like, I'm a black woman, I want to fight for those yeah. rights, versus my job's important, but before someone sees me as a sex worker, they see me as, you yes. know, a black woman or a woman or a trans woman or, you know, all yes. those other, like, identities that we carry that are more visible than what we do. Absolutely. So visibility is a major thing when it comes to identity because... For example, I identify as disabled, okay. and a lot of my recent work has been very ultra-focused around disability. Like, yeah. I came straight from a presentation called Disability Rights or Civil Rights. There's yeah. a disability advocacy group being created, all of that cool stuff. Mm-hmm. But people don't look at me and see disability. Even when right. I disclose I'm bipolar, severely mentally ill, or I have chronic arthritis in my spine that sometimes leaves me immobile. Yeah. They don't visibly see that. Right. And I think, especially when it comes to professions, we assume that our professions don't define us. Mm-hmm. Everyone says the whole, uh, what is it, like, work to live, don't live to work. Yeah. And that's good. And it's part of the individualism and our idea of who we are that creates that idea that our job doesn't define us. But... It's, it's a small part of us. Exactly. I think yeah. it's a part of capitalism that we try to pretend like our job doesn't define us. Yeah. When in reality, the labor we do, the things that we work in, have a huge... What? No, keep talking. They have, like, a huge impact on who we are. We need to have an episode on capitalism and bring in Ahmed. Yes. That would be, like, three hours of pure bliss. I know. That would be so good. Am I keeping that in? I'm keeping that in. Yes, we need... Shout out to Ahmed. We need him on our podcast. He is another social justice scholar. He's one of the best. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Pulling it all back. Pulling back to... Yes. So, yes, it was a combination... Yeah, it was a combination of... Second wave feminism was, by and large, sex negative. Okay. And... People don't want to believe that their job defines them. Mm-hmm. But there are other really dangerous things, like the criminalization of the sex trades, okay. which has led to really dangerous practices by law enforcement, like the issue of condoms as evidence. Okay. Um, which refers to the practice of using the fact that a woman carries condoms as evidence that she's engaging in prostitution. Yes. Can you believe that? Yeah. In New York City, primarily, it's been a huge thing lately. Because if a woman is walking the street and carrying condoms, she must be a prostitute. They can use that as evidence in a trial. Yeah. Can't I just be a promiscuous woman who's walking down the street to can't go I, home? Can't I just have stopped at the dollar store? Not the dollar store, I wish. Can't I have Pharmacy? just stopped at CVS and grabbed a 12-pack of condoms? No, and that makes me a prostitute. Home? Maybe I'm engaging in an orgy after this. Does right. it matter? <laughs> 
Should it matter? No. So there's a statute out there that says that condoms have owning condoms. No, it's not even that it's a law that owning condoms makes you a prostitute. It's that prosecutors, cops, they can use that as reasonable evidence. Yeah. I know. We have criminalized safe sex. I was just about to say that. <laughs> it's like, now you just gonna have people out here willy-nilly just sleeping with folks. Exactly. It's like, oh, wait. If I'm walking down the street with this box of condoms, next thing you know, if I get arrested. And if a if a sex worker is going to engage in sex, why wouldn't we encourage them and their clientele to use condoms? You know what? If I was a sex worker who needed condoms, I would just be smart. I would learn how to sew. And I'd start sewing condoms into, into my clothes. And then I would just like... Rip open the seam, pull the condom out. I mean, it would be a lot nicer. I would have like fabric tape. You know, I would. Oh my god! No, no, no. (laughs) Well, I'm trying not to go to prison. I know, but I don't think sewing condoms into your clothing is gonna work. You don't technically have to sew them in; just you know, fabric tape them in. Oh, okay. So, (laughs) if you're in New York, you know, maybe take my advice. Learn how to sew. Oh my gosh. Don't take Judith's advice on anything. <laughs> okay, I give great advice on some things. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, did you know yeah. that there is one state where prostitution can be legal in the United States of America? Yes. Where at? Nevada. Do you know in what conditions it can be legal? A house <laughs> that it does not have people around it. A brothel. Yes. Yes. Only I didn't brothel. I want to sound bad. Yeah, only brothel prostitution is legal, but only in counties where there's less than 700,000 residents. I don't really understand why, but... So you don't have neighbors? I guess. I think it's so that it's less uh, trafficked areas. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, so with that being said, would legalization of prostitution serve to help, you know, sex workers? Oh, God. Okay, that is a huge question. And it's really its own podcast, but there are a lot of models we can follow across the globe to destigmatize sex work, to reduce harm, and to improve the lives of willing sex workers. So there are options uh, really everywhere that would allow different people to make sense of their um, jobs in safe and sane ways. But if we insist on full criminalization, usually we run into problems. Okay, so with our current culture, sex workers have, you know, have had such a bias against Mm -hmm. them that it can be dangerous to go to police officers when they are abused. Yeah, we touched on that a little bit, but not to mention there are issues with human trafficking, but then also with the assumption that all sex workers must be either criminals or victims. So Juno Mack is a sex worker and activist who says that the current legislative models for sex work don't really work and cause abuse. Mm -hmm. She has a really good TED Talk called How Does Stigma Compromise the Safety of Sex Workers, the Laws That Sex Workers Really Want. We're going to link that in the recommended reading, of course. Yes, and it was released February 23rd of 2018, so all the information should be really up to date. But basically, going back, there's that assumption that all sex workers are either victims or criminals. Yeah. It's the whore slash Madonna complex distilled into one industry. Yeah, and it not only, like, breeds a rape culture exclusive to sex work, but justifies it in the same breath. Like, have you ever heard the joke, if a prostitute is raped, is it theft or rape? I have not. I mean, think about how horrible that is. 
It's the assumption that by selling a service of sex, you automatically forfeit the right to your body. So they no longer have body autonomy. Exactly. This joke is basically saying. It's saying even more than that. It's saying rape against sex workers is legitimate. Because it's not even rape, it's just theft. Okay, but what about if they want to leave sex work? Okay, that becomes really more difficult because it's a lot like the stay-at-home mom dilemma. Okay. There's a major gap on their work history that they can't fill with anything because they can't admit that they were sex workers. Right. But then the inability to find a job just pushes them back into sex work. And if they don't want to be doing sex work anymore, it becomes impossible to find a job that supports them. Um, We haven't even started on the trans um, misogyny and transphobia, especially at the intersections of whorephobia. There's a trope of trans women who are sex workers that becomes reality in a lot of situations because trans women have no legal protection for work in most states. Including ours. Okay. Oh, well, I mean, we live in Indiana. Right. We live in Indiana. It's an at-will state already. Well, even beyond <laughs> that, some states do have laws that you can't fire protected classes, including LGBT, trans folk, and things of that nature. We don't. We do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, we still live in Indiana. This is, this is Pence country, if we all remember. Right. And, um, kind of rolling back, and sex work as an unregulated profession becomes a a refuge for certain people because they can work with no qualifications. It's basically the ultimate result of capitalism. It really is because if you can't afford a trade school or college, mm-hmm. you can't work certain jobs because of, let's say, a disability, let's say, taking mm-hmm. care of a parent so you have strange hours, let's say you're a single parent. Sometimes sex work is the only thing you can fall back on. Yeah. And really, sex work is no different from other physical labor jobs. If somebody willingly engages with sex work, it shouldn't be dangerous. We have things like OSHA laws for other workplaces keeping employees safe. Yeah. If we can regulate sex work and make it safe for people, it shouldn't be seen as different than any other job where you're lending your physical capabilities to the job. And we could tax the crap out of it and actually, you know, fix the roads in Indiana. Oh my gosh, don't get me started. Don't, don't. (laughs) So with that said, how can social justice help sex workers? Yes, so getting back to that... It's not even that we need to help them, of course, but that sex workers face discrimination and oppression unlike other groups. So working on their specific problems is something that has to be done. So there are sex workers, organizations, including, ooh, they have unions? They do have unions. Um, Which advocate for their fair treatment of sex workers. Yes, and I love that. I think that that is such a wonderful thing, especially the Red Umbrella Project. All right. So, to tell you a little bit about them, because I don't think, you haven't heard of them, have you? I don't believe so, no. Okay, cool. Sounds like something I could have, like, you know. Run up on. Yeah, but, but never, like, gotten yeah. the full info. But go ahead, tell me. Yeah, so the Red Umbrella Project is one of my favorite things. So, it's a group of sex workers and former sex workers okay. who, I mean, they have thousands of projects, it seems like. They do monthly storytelling nights, okay. which are available as a podcast. Okay. They do uh, collections of writings, diaries, poems, all types of stuff for their own literary journal. Mm -hmm. They have their own research arm, which does qualitative and quantitative studies about sex work, people who work in sex work, and the people who patronize sex workers. Basically, it's quite literally an umbrella. So it's the project for sex workers. Anything you can imagine, they probably already do. They do advocacy. They do support. They do everything. And sex workers anywhere can turn to them. One of my favorite things about them is that they host the International Whores Day, which is a day to end oppression against sex workers. 
The name's still kind of funny. I still struggle with whore. That's such a weird word for me. I don't feel comfortable saying it, but... They could call themselves the Hopalooza. I love it. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> okay, so I feel like I already know the answer to this question. Yeah. But, you know, we have to play the whole... Back and forth yes. question answer. Um, will sex work ever end? I don't know, Judith. Could it possibly never end, though? It's never going to end. It's never going to end. Never. Okay, something we didn't talk about, but if we look historically at sex work, the West was built on the backs of prostitution. Yes. So it's like... Every (laughs) single technological progress we have made has been related to sex. Did you know that they made the electric-operated dildo before the toaster? No. Yeah, you could plug your dildo into the wall before you could toast a piece of bread. (laughs) <laughs> okay, you could toast it just in the oven. a toaster. Yeah, you know what I mean, though. You couldn't just pop a piece of bread into a toaster, <laughs> press the button, and have it pop well, back yeah, up in a minute and scare the, the shit like, out of you. Like hysteria thing where they're trying but, to control women. But you know that those women weren't just doing it for medical treatment. <laughs> yeah, but if they you know did, why video if they was better, they would have got their like uteruses yanked out. Do you know what? I'd love to get my uterus yanked out. I don't want a uterus. Anyway. <laughs> Do you know why video was created? Pornography. Do you know why the camera was really created? Pornography. Do you know why TV was a thing? Pornography. Yes. I was just going to say regular TV. The internet. Pornography. The internet was actually created for um, the Cold War, you know? But think about what we've used it for. Yeah, did you know online pornography is actually killing the porn industry? Yes. Millennials kill everything, Judith. Okay, shut up. (laughs) Okay, we can't kill it if we can't pay for it. Exactly. But that's <laughs> you know the thing. You know who killed like, the economy? Baby boomer. <laughs> and they're still killing it. That's way off topic. <laughs> There's a whole other conversation. It is. I wish... You know what? Maybe maybe we'll do like a special three-hour session on capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> so that's about all the time that we have for today. This episode's going to be shorter than a couple of the others, just because yep. we wanted to kind of give a brief introduction to the topic. Yes. We included some books on our recommended reading list as well, as so, well as the podcast from Juno Mac, yes. which is really informative. My favorite book on there is probably A Vindication of the Rights of Whores. It's really good, but all the resources are excellent, especially the wealth of information from the Red Umbrella Project. That's all, folks. Judith, be sure to keep up with us on social media and say hi. I like the movie, too. Bye. Bye. <laughs>